Hello and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talked to Mike Ashquay, who is a multi-hyphenate here in Guelph in local politics and activism, and we're going to talk about all the pies that he has fingers in. But first, let's talk about the times. This is a very busy season of the year because summer's here, and there are a lot of festivals and activities to go to. School's out, which means getting the kids organized for summer activities, summer camp, summer school, summer jobs. (laughs) It's National Indigenous History Month, it's Pride Month, it's Alzheimer's Awareness Month, and along the way there's Juneteenth, National Accessibility Week, and International Windows Day? There's a lot going on, and some of us have a lot more going on than others, especially when they're representing a couple of those different marginalized communities trying to make the world a bit more fair for everyone. And that mission is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. So you may know Mike Ashquay. You might have read his insightful columns in the Guelph Mercury Tribune, or you might have heard him on the radio talking about video games and pop culture. You might have seen him serve as vice chair of the Accessibility Advisory Committee at some meeting, or you may have run into him when he was volunteering at Chalmers downtown. Like a lot of survivors of the generational trauma resulting from our treatment of Canada's First Nations people, Ashquay came late to his Indigenous heritage. Losing his leg a few years ago made him aware of the barriers to people with disabilities on a first-hand basis, and he used this first-hand experience to advocate for both of these communities in the official channels of Guelph Life, in the paper, in City Hall, and working within the EDA of one of our major political parties. I was interested in talking to Ashquay for a couple of reasons. First, I sensed a kind of kindred spirit, someone who fills their plate in terms of activities and projects and then fills it up some more. And we both obviously manage a love of politics with an obsession with popular culture. Mostly, though, I was interested in Ashquay's brand of positive engagement and activism. You can see it on display in a recent Mercury Tribune article he wrote called Exploring Guelph's Accessible Parks, Trails, Splash Pads, and More, which followed his visits to various Guelph locales and celebrating their accessibility. Now, the piece isn't saying that accessibility in Guelph is perfect, or that all our accessibility problems have been solved, but it is enthusiastically making the point that if we can be this good, then why can't we be better? That is one of the things we're going to talk about on this episode of the Guelph Politicast, along with Ashkaway's busy work schedule and managing all that work, how he started getting political in the first place, and the personal value of not being known for just that one thing. We'll also talk about the personal impact of his activism, how it feels to be recognized on the street, and how those recognitions sometimes come from the most surprising of places. And finally, we will talk about maintaining optimism, the risks of burning yourself out, and whether or not Ashkway might have a problem when it comes to buying too many of those Transformer collectible toys. So I caught up with Mike Ashkway last week via Zoom. Okay, Mike Ashkway, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, it is an absolute pleasure. I've been following you on Twitter for quite some time. So, hey, this is a thrill to do. I love podcasting and broadcasting. So this was uh, something like, hey, this looks like fun. So I'm glad to join you today. Oh, I'm glad you're glad because I, I've been following you on social media, too. And I just uh, I wanted to check in first. Uh, you've been seeing you seem to be buying a lot of Transformers lately, Mike. Are, are you OK? <laughs> Let's just say Facebook Marketplace is a dangerous thing. And having friends at Hasbro 
really helps. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, it's a sickness, and I'm okay with it. <laughs> All right, as long as you feel uh, you can uh, manage the uh, manage the tolerance. Um, let's talk about a, a bit about your. Um, I guess your workload, I, I you know, I, I feel a, a sort of kinship with you because you balance too many balls in the air, in the air like I do. And uh, I'm curious how, how you manage things. You know, how, how do you um, keep yourself level while, you know, kind of swinging from, from one thing to another? Uh, well, I that's kind of hard to answer because, like, I've always just had this go, 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 go attitude since college back in 2007. Uh, back then, I only slept about four hours a night for like four <laughs> years. Don't recommend that. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm always just used to just balancing so much. And in the last couple of years since I became super politically active, I'm just like, you know what? I can still do this. I can still do that. Still have myself a good time. Just uh, have to take a break every so often mm. uh, to watch a few movies or take some breaks from my like podcast during the summertime and during the winter. Um, it's a delicate balancing act. Not going to lie. There's never enough hours in the day. There's a great line out of the movie Men in Black where uh, Tommy Lee Jones says to Will Smith, you know, uh, we work on a th on a 36 hour day. You either get used to it or you go insane. And that's kind of the <laughs> mantra that I've got to take it. <laughs> I remember that line well. Uh, let's lay, lay, lay the table for people here. Um, what all do you do? Like, what what are all the pies you have a finger in? Okay, so currently I am the executive producer for This Week in Geek. That's uh, probably one of the longest-running Canadian podcasts uh, currently available. Well over 10,000 hours of produced audio content. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also a freelance reporter for the Guelph Mercury Tribune, uh, the Orangeville Banner, the Aaron Advocate, I believe. Uh, basically like uh, Metroland uh, sort of thing. I do uh, occasionally spots on Canadian radio. I've done stuff for Chorus, C C CTV, Global. I've been on Sky News. I've been on the BBC. I've been on CBC multiple times. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. What else do I do? Um, I do disability consulting here in the city i do indigenous uh things as well i'm also actively involved with uh the guelph's uh accessibility advisory council or the aac i am the vice chair i mm -hmm. am the uh, guelph ndp writing association's rep representative for people with disabilities as well as uh indigenous individuals as well I'm trying to think if I do anything else. Uh, I'm a freelance <laughs> RPG writer. I'm a freelance writer uh, for other kind of outlets and stuff like that. And yeah, I think that's it. Pretty sure. <laughs> well, thank you for your time today. Now, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you're, you've talked, you, you just said how you were kind of got into politics recently. Um, can you talk a bit about sort of how, you know, that part of that aspect of your life sort of awakened and, and how you decided to sort of go about actualizing, you know, some of the things, I, I guess, acting on some of the issues you were concerned about. So I remember the moment exactly, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember it was after the last provincial election, not the most recent one, but the one before that. Mm -hmm. And I'm on ODSP because I am a uh, amputee. Mm -hmm. And I realized how badly people were getting hosed. Mm -hmm. And I basically said, nah, not on my watch. And I basically <laughs> decided, no, I'm getting involved. People always 
bitch and moan like, oh, things got to change. Things have to change. I'm like, you know what? So pe- so many people say it, but they do nothing about it. So mm. I started seeking out uh, things that aligned with my values. And I came across the Guelph NDP Riding Association. And mm. I found out they were looking for people for equity seeking, uh, seeking roles. And I'm like, you know what? Why not? If I'm gonna if i'm gonna yell and scream on twitter which is a hellscape by the way um (laughs) i might as well put my money where my mouth is and in january of 2020 i'm like you know what i want to get involved and i was elected to the to two positions i served uh, one term as disability rep, and then I took a year off because someone else got the role. And mm-hmm. then I've been serving as uh, Indigenous rep pretty much ever since that time. And I just started to get more and more involved when I saw how things were changing for uh, for the disabled community, for people mm-hmm. that are living in deep poverty. And I'm thinking, nah, this has got to change. And it just got to the point where people like yourself and CTV and 590 news or 580 news reached out to me. And I just became a semi-regular person. People could talk to about mm. kind of doing things and just more <laughs> and more. I just wanted to get involved in my community to make things better because accessibility is one of those things that I very believe deeply in just because the world is not built for people who are in wheelchairs. The world, the world mm-hmm. is not built for people who may have environmental sensitivities or mental um, disabilities as well. Basically, the world is not built for if you don't fit inside a certain box. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you don't get to play on the same level we do. Here's your special playground, and I'm not cool with that. So mm. I very much decided it's time to do something. And then when I started discovering my indigenous heritage, when I got my uh, name back in May of 2000 and 22 things really changed because i started advocating uh back in 2020 with a group known as the 60s legacy 60s scoop legacy of canada which advocates for 60 scoop survivors and at one point i had to submit an an affidavit to the supreme court of canada saying hey there's a pandemic going on people are dying do you kind of want to do something about that and you know pay out the money that you owe to the tune of 875 million i think it was uh <laughs> federal lawsuit and right. it felt good to be a part of that process and i just kind of kept going and then finally um i had a conversation last year with my adoptive sister shannon and mm-hmm. she was telling me how she used to um volunteer at a food bank and i started or uh volunteering with chalmers center downtown on friday mornings because like you know what if I'm going to help the people from a vulnerable pop pop population, I need to see what's happening because <laughs> everybody is one bad day away from using a food bank or from becoming in a position that they probably don't want to be in. So I want to be, I want to help. I want to be a part of the community's lifeblood that helps these people sustain. And I've met so many wonderful people down there in conversations. Like um, I get stopped all the time downtown when I go around in my wheelchair. They're like, Hey, you're Mike. You're that kid from the food bank. Or you're that kid from the newspaper. I'm like, if by kid you mean 42, then yes. Um, But yeah, it's like, it's such a thing just to, meet so many people and that's that encouraged me to 
uh, seek positions within the Guelph community. When I started getting involved with the community uh, engagement plan, I started attending information sessions because I know people talk about wanting to better their communities. And I started meeting individuals like I think the, uh, her name is Kelly Guthrie. And yep. she and she's part of that community engagement team. And I started talking <clears throat> with her and then I just met so many other awesome community members that it became very addictive to sit in on all these sessions and just see what happens in our community, what shapes our community. And because there was never a disabled voice in there, accessibility from a lived perspective became uh, something that they I guess they really wanted to hear. I mean, obviously they did have the like AAC and stuff mm. like that, but I didn't see any other individuals attending from the community side of it, not just from the city. Mm. And it just became like, you know what? I can really change things down here. And I, then I got to know counselors like uh, Aaron Caton. I got to know James Gordon before he retired Rodrigo mm. and uh, Phil Alt. And it's really encouraged me to want to make Guelph the best place it possibly can be for everybody. I don't care which way you vote. I know that you live here the same as I do, and you don't want to live in a dystopian hellscape. Um, <laughs> we all want to live in a really nice place. So let's work together and find ways to work together to build things better. I, I think that's, uh, I think that's fair. I, I think it's also interesting. You kind of sit at the intersection. Of a lot of these things you're, you know, you, you, as you laid it all out, you're a gig worker. You understand what it's, you know, being that one paycheck away from having to go to a food bank. You're uh, someone who identifies as indigenous. You're someone who identifies as disabled. Um, a lot of disabled people do live in poverty because as you're saying, the ODSP rates, a lot of indigenous people live in poverty and understand that lived experience too. So, um, You've kind of got you, you. You've you've run quite the gambit in terms of some of the reputation or uh, some of the representation you bring to the the table in these things. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where I can see how being a part of all these different communities can weigh you down. And mm. I see a lot of people that are sad, downtrodden, and frankly defeated. Um, and there's a very famous line from Star Trek where Captain Kirk says, "I don't believe in the no wins scenario." That's mm. me. I like to uh, pursue things aggressively, but also op op optimistically. A fellow r reporter from the <laughs> Guelph Mercury Tribune, uh, Joy Struthers, described me as relentlessly optimistic. <laughs> and I've really kind of taken that to heart, especially over the last year or so when I got my name, which translates to Heart of the River in Ojibwe. And that means creating community. That means everything that swims in the rivers to what flies in the sky, to what walks on land. It's this all circle of life. And because part of my indigenous heritage uh, being Ojibwe means I'm clan bear and clan bear is like you would think of a doctor, a lawyer, uh, a, a cop sort of thing, people who protect. But mm. when you think about what that role can also include, it also means politicians it's facilitators sure. it's dip it's diplomats and it's being wanting to uplift those around me and mm -hmm. sometimes they need a, a champion i can take those hits i'm i'm not afraid to take you know someone yelling at me because if it means someone else is it stops them from crying or having a hard day or breaking down and i can't i wish i could remember 
where I saw this quote. Maybe it was on Facebook or Twitter or something. Mm. It's it was it went something along the lines of someone you don't know may be watching you and depending on your strength to keep them going. And on my mm. podcast over the last 15 years, I've gotten a number of nice letters from fans just telling me that I got them through a really hard part of a depression or they're in the military. They've had a really hard deployment and just hearing us nerd out about transformers <laughs> or power Rangers or Friday the 13th or something. They really <laughs> enjoyed that. And that keeps me going, not just because it feeds an ego because it really doesn't. It's the fact that knowing someone is having a better day because I'm just living me and trying to be the best beacon that I can be. And that kind of just fuels me to help others. And I don't know. I mean, I had a radical change in perception when I became mm. disabled back in 2017, when I lost my leg. Mm. Um, and the, the doctors came into my room one morning after the the amputation and the doctor says you know you're unusually chipper for someone who just went through a <laughs> really traumatic life-changing experience and i'm thinking you know what i can choose to be sad and miserable about it or right. i can do or i can do something about it and i choose to live yeah no and and you know you said something that got to me there is you know you people like us who have a platform can choose to take the hits and I mean, I've been subject to that occasionally. I don't get it a lot because I'm, you know, white and male. But, um, I, you know, it happened to me last weekend. I, I wrote a, a thing in Guelph today where I off, not not offhandedly, pointedly mentioned um, on Mark Graves at um, old residential schools. And some, like, one of the first emails somebody sent to me after that was posted was like, oh, you drank the Kool-Aid and you believe in this that they found on Mark Graves at residential schools. And it's just like, yeah, I, I I believe it because it's it's a fact, and I and I'm wondering if if they're like taking the time out to reach out to me pointedly, look up my email and send me this. It's like you know what are they saying sort of off the cuff to people on Twitter or, heck, or maybe Facebook. even in real life? Yeah, <laughs> like I it's funny you mentioned that because there was a um, a story that was published back in April about the indigenous uh, gathering circle to which I was a participant up in Fergus. And there was a guy on there. Holy shit. Sorry for swearing, but this, right. <laughs> this guy like, wow. And like, okay. He tried to tell me residential schools were fine because we had a pool. <laughs> oh, my, please abuse me. So I will go swimming in the pool. I was like, <laughs> really, dude? And he's like, oh, yeah, and all these indigenous people went to go work here and we're all indigenous to somewhere. I'm thinking, OK, you have missed the entire forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. And it's just like. There's no helping you. I'm not going to respond to you because mm -hmm. you're probably not sane, but it yeah. was just like it was just <laughs> so interesting to see that. And then I did a, an interview with CCTV last year where um I was talking about the Pope's visit in Canada and, you know, mm. obviously the apologizing for the resident residential schools. And I said something along the lines of like, some of us were straight up murdered. Like this yeah. isn't okay. And I had people say, no, you weren't the thousands of dead kids would somewhat disagree with you, but Hey, what yeah. do I know? And yeah, like it's weird to see some of the racism that still exists. And e even hearing 
Guelph, I haven't encountered a lot of racism. I mm-hmm. have the odd time. I actually recall this incident super clear because it just happened like two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I was driving up on Stone Road and I had somebody make the South Park Timmy noise at me. And oh. and and I got to thinking, okay, so clearly you're a child, <laughs> but what type of an individual makes fun of the handicapped? Like there are certain groups you just don't make fun of, like yeah. sort of like in the hierarchy of social okayness. Now, for some reason, it's okay to make fun of fat people because I guess, sure, why not? I'm one of them. Deal sure. with it. And <laughs> this guy just made this noise at me. And I got to thinking, man, your parents must be so proud. Yeah. What I mean, it, it, it makes me think of, I can't remember who said it was. It was some comedian who said, um, you know, we call it political correctness, but you know, my grandmother, my grandmother used to call it "be nice to people." Yeah, like you know, just don't be a prick. How hard is this to do? <laughs> Yet, evidently, in two thousand twenty-three, it is a free for all. Who can be the biggest douchebag on the largest <laughs> platform possible? And somehow, you get points for this. Yeah, I mean, that's the most disappointing thing is that you know you don't know who's genuinely racist and uh, you know has the potential the potentiality to sort of unlearn their behavior and who's just doing it for the lulls mm-hmm. yeah um the other thing that struck me that that i saw you post um was the, the, the it, this gets to the people coming up to you on the street that, that you know people saying to you oh i read your piece and you, and you having like a kind of a weird feeling of that this this uh, this appreciation that you know people are not only reading what you're putting out there, but you know that it it means something to them. Um, I remember my first time. You know, I, I was uh, I'm old enough to have written for the Ontarian when we printed a newspaper every week, and I remember being on the bus going home, and you know looking next to me, and somebody was reading my article in the Ontarian, and uh, you know just appreciating that weird feeling that. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to just kind of like write stuff and it goes out there and you're not confronted with people ingesting what you're putting out there, but it it is, it is a weird feeling to understand that something, whether people like it or not, that it has a meaning to somebody. Yeah. Like I've had a couple of really memorable, uh, experiences with people. Uh, my first experience was back when I was, uh, uh, a podcaster this would have been this was the strangest experience but one of the most memorable because it made me realize just how far the internet goes so <laughs> I, I was invited to a a, a a gig in chicago and i'm traveling and it's like five o'clock in the morning we pull into the chicago greyhound station because hey i travel in style um <laughs> and i get out on the bus and i i can't catch the like l train for like another like four or five hours so i'm just I'm just kind of hanging out. I'm doing this thing. And this kid walks up to me. Can't be any older than like at most, maybe 24. Mm-hmm. And he walks over to me. He's like, are you Birdman? I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I love your stuff. Okay, cool. High five. And that's <laughs> at five o'clock in the morning in, in Chicago in the middle of the night. So that was strange. <laughs> but when I started writing for uh, the trip, I started writing back in December. Um mm-hmm. People would always see me at the Guelph Storm games because I started covering them from a community angle for my podcast and my like kind of TikTok. Mm-hmm. And I would have so many people come up to me. And I remember having 
kids, kids who weren't any older than 10 or 11 say, hey, you're that guy from TikTok. <laughs> and it was so cool. They're like, hey, man, we really enjoy your stuff. And these kids are being very genuine and being very authentic. And as I got to know uh, staff at the Sleeman Center, mm-hmm. they would always check in on what like articles I was writing. And as I was mentioning earlier, whenever I go downtown, guaranteed, Adam, it happens at least once a visit downtown like hey mike hi or if they see me down in like riverside park i get stopped in um the uh mall over at the at, at like um stone road and it's right. it's so cool just to see that i'm getting out there and i've had people bring up issues to me they're like hey mike could you write about this i really like what what you uh kind of wrote about i i i started to get to know some of the other journalists uh, in this town and they were talking to me about my 60 scoop survivor piece and the, I'm like hey Mike I never knew that uh, uh, about you that's really cool that you're willing to share that I'm like my life is pretty much an open book I got nothing really to hide and <laughs> if my story helps someone I'm totally willing to share because I just love I, I love meeting people I love interacting with people and just knowing that the little things that I write I, the 650 words ish that I write every now and again, people are really engaged with that. That's it's such a thrill. It's such a re- reward. And I'm so thankful that uh, the trip gave me that op- that opportunity. And then I guess to kind of finish this thought out, it's mm. nice to be recognized for something other than, Hey, you're that guy that reviews toys or you're that guy who reviewed mm. Mario Kart. <laughs> and I got, and it really kind of came to a head when I started thinking, I'm glad to not just be known as a one trick pony. Mm. Now I, now I'm the one legged pony, but still it works out. <laughs> you gotta have humor with this. You really do. <laughs> oh, well, I want to look at it uh, for, from a couple different angles. It, you know, your optimism, I, I think is, is key because I, I was thinking about something you posted last week. Um, the one, the, the article about it, how you went out and explored like some different trails and, and different like parks and, and things um, and, and talked about, you know, I, I went out and about in Guelph and I'm in a wheelchair. Things are pretty accessible, which is, is one of these angles that I think un- until somebody does it, it, you completely sort of miss, miss the point where it's like, yeah, we want to focus on where the challenges are. What are the issues we need to overcome? But we only rarely, if ever take a moment to say, you know what? Some things are pretty good. Yeah. Like I found Guelph to be a fairly accessible city in most um, aspects. I mean, sure. Some of the buildings downtown are not as accessible as they should be. And they're not going to be a, a, a DOA compliant anytime soon. I'm looking at you mm-hmm. subway downtown, um, <clears throat> but <laughs> most places are, there's like accessible doors or there's people that are willing to come help you. And some disabled people don't like it when people come to our quote unquote rescue but you know for the most part if you get a door for us that's cool that helps me in fact i actually went to the cineplex over in waterloo last night and i ran into an ran into an accessibility issue and i was on i was in contact with their team on twitter within seconds Mm. and i talked to them after i went to go see as you guessed it transformers um and they were really (laughs) quick to help me and like I'd like to have a conversation with you. So I'm so surprised that so many 
organizations are willing to have that conversation. I actually just did a consult recently with the University of Guelph mm. about improving accessibility on campus. And it was so enlightening that they were willing to have that conversation, to willing to listen to my mm -hmm. lived uh, experience and perspective. And I'm hoping to be a perspective student there next year uh, in oh, 2024. Yeah. Um, and I'm just really glad to see that there is there is a conversation happening in this city across all levels of government and business to want to make things better. And it's really encouraging because I like Guelph is this green city. We're seen as very progressive. And I think we can honestly, like it's my vision, honestly, mm. to make Guelph one of the most accessible cities in Canada, if not Ontario, because mm -hmm. the, the, this, the, Disabled community, we talk. We like to know where things are, what's accessible to us, what can we do, mm -hmm. and having that kind of information out there saying, hey, guys, come here. You can do this. The doors are good. The bathrooms are good. You can go to this hotel and there are roll-in showers, blah, blah, blah. It's one of those right. things I really think people can do, and I really think it's something Guelph can do as a highlight because I think that will encourage more tourism and travel to the area because like it would be wonderful to see more people in wheelchairs down at something like rib fest or even the multicultural festival uh, mm -hmm. stuff like that there's so much to do in this city and one of the things that really pleased me this year is just how accessible some of the sports are this year like the guelph storm and the sleeman center one of the most accessible venues i've ever been to Mm. Um, and they were so accommodating to me if I needed something like hats off to the Guelph storm. Like they are top tier. And even the Guelph Royals, uh, this year, when I reached out to them about covering them for a story again, super accommodating. Like, what do you need? I got a private tour of David Hastings stadium. And mm. the fact that if I want to sit in the stands and not get hit by a foul pitch, which has almost happened a few times, um, <laughs> I can do that. I can sit with my wife in the stands and that's really cool. And just knowing that that's out there, hell, like I've, I've even looked at some of the splash pads in this city. And if I want to be that weirdo that shows up in a wheelchair and just turns on the hose of the giant mechanized flower thing, I can do that. And that means so much for families that have, children who have different ranges of abilities or disabilities that they can do these different things. There's a thing downtown by Royal city park. Um, it's like this big boat like thing. Yeah. You, you can drive a motorized wheelchair into it and rock back and forth. I did that last. Uh, I think I, I think <laughs> I did that earlier this spring with my wife. We were downtown playing uh Pokemon and it was, I'm like, this is going to mean so much to that kid who's always been told you can't go on swings. You can't do this. Right. You can't do that. There's even a playground by my house that has a roll up playground where you can roll up in your chair and you can play with some of the interactive elements. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's pretty cool to see. And it's nice to let people know about this and just hear from other community members who are saying, Hey, thank you for sharing the, thank you for letting me know that this is out there. And I know there is a wonderful thing that Guelph can do with accessibility in the next couple of years, especially with the current council we've elected, especially with accessibility being so front of mind for certain counselors. Mm. It's uh, it's very in, in encouraging. But, you, you know, you make a point that, and this isn't just true for 
people with disabilities, but, you know, a, a lot of these marginalized communities sort of have their own networks about, you know, where can I go that it feels safe for me or that feels inclusive for me that, you know, sort of the regular tourism strategies coming from city halls just doesn't tap into, you know, it, people in their community trust each other to guide them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I really like how we're listening to different communities not just you know hey we represent so and so i'm really glad just to see things change i'm really glad to see that conversation broaden yeah um i want to look at this from the other side of it too and i i think i've i've been hearing it from different people who have sort of become unofficial or even official speakers for their communities in the last few years just but the pressures of 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 doing that and and feeling like you are whether it's taken that way or not you're speaking on behalf of an entire community of people and and you know and I'm thinking about you you're speaking on behalf of people with disabilities you're speaking on behalf of um people in in, in the indigenous community you know that there must be aware there no matter how optimistic um you approach things you know you you have to occasionally stop and wonder um, how long can I be the indigenous guy in Guelph, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, like, like I'm glad to be that front-facing person, to be that super accessible, super easy to talk to person. Mm. And there are parts of the communities that I'm involved in. I would love to have deeper conversations with. There are even gatekeeping problems within certain communities where maybe you don't fit this certain checkbox so we don't want to talk to you or you're being to this and to that that does happen within these communities but that's that's just people people are always going to have a difference of opinion and yeah it, it can be a little hard to navigate even a little discouraging uh when certain communities deny you access to certain things and it's not because mm -hmm. maybe necessarily you have done anything personally wrong but because they want to keep certain things in a certain manner like you know they don't want to disrupt the status quo and i want to wonder okay why is that is there a way we can have a conversation what can we do to move things forward like mm -hmm. i always want to play peacemaker i always want to play negotiator and conversationalist because even if someone's saying something really unpopular to you they're still talking to you. There's something to be gained mm. from that. Mm -hmm. And I'm a firm believer that you should always listen, even if it's not popular, because you're going to learn something anyway, and maybe that can advance something somewhere. So I hope I'm not the only front forward uh, kind of <laughs> native or disabled guy, but I like doing as much a, a, as I can and finding different allies within the community is always a big thing. I mean, if I hadn't had been so front facing and pretty much happy to do what i do i probably wouldn't have met my elder mm. for, uh who gave me my name and uh his name is my ingen and he's over at the university of uh waterloo mm. and it's um it, if you're willing to be out there you'll meet different people like i said not everyone's gonna like you but mm. at least you can introduce introduce yourself and give them the chance to like you and if they don't then that's fine that's their choice I just hope I'm doing the best thing that I can for them because ultimately I want everybody to be happy and to have everybody to have a seat at the table and at least have the ability to speak. Yeah. And, and I, and I hear that and, and that's kind of a very rare, well, maybe not rare, but 
what I found in sort of like trying to highlight communities, different communities in Guelph is that, you know, and it's not just necessarily people of color or, um, uh, you know, p- different ethnicities. It can be like the campus conservative club, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you reach out to them and say like, Hey, I want to you know, talk about you and your politics and what drives you and, you know, come on the podcast. And sometimes the response is yes, absolutely. And, and sometimes they, they ghost you because they're, you know, you're just some guy on the email and who knows what you might be cooking up. <laughs> yeah. And like with like certain communities they do play things close to the chest and that's okay like some Mm. they just want to keep things that makes them happy and i'm fine with that i just hope they're willing to have a conversation whenever they feel ready um because i never want to disinclude anybody because you know being excluded sucks Mm. but it's ultimately at the end of the day i hope more people come together to talk even if only for just a couple of moments like Everybody can sit at the same table and break bread. Whether you're necessarily going to make peace after that, I don't know. That's up to the individuals and those communities. Mm. But I do hope everyone can can sit down and talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's that's always my hope too. And uh, I, I thank you, Mike, for for taking time out and sitting down and talking with me. Uh, it's been fun, and uh, you know, best of luck with um, your your numerous endeavors <laughs> awesome adam again thank you so much um if you want to find me i uh, do post articles quite frequently in the guelph mercury tribune you can also find me on orangeville.com my social media not hard to find at birdman dot is mostly cats transformers and horror movie <laughs> stuff and uh as i often say whenever i sign off my podcast if you do anything else just be excellent to each other and i'll catch you guys again next time <gasps> That's the perfect place to leave it. Thanks again, Mike. Anytime. And once again, that was Mike Ashkway. You can read his columns at the Guelph Mercury Tribune at guelphmercury.com. You can find his nerdy content at This Week in Geek, which you can find at thisweekingeek.net. And you can follow him on social media at Birdman Dodd. That is Birdman, D-O-D-D, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And since we have been talking about Indigenous issues, Guelph will mark the National Celebration of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples on Wednesday, June 21st at 5.30 p.m., just at the Banshell in Riverside Park. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio, and to learn more about CFRU, go to cfru.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where there will be a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we will see you next time. (laughs) 